Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Labor it any longer, please grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 91. I'm just going to read just a couple verses of Scripture here, beginning in verse number one. psalmist writes, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And with the help of the Lord, I just want to talk to you for the next few moments from this title, The Secret Place. The Secret Place. And if you'll help me preach, you may be seated. In uh, just the last few years, we have learned a lot about our world. And uh, one thing in particular that stands out in my mind is just how quickly things can change. And um, we all have and continue to deal with a lot of change and transition, trying to figure out the new reality of all of our new realities. This world has changed just in the last several years. And transition is always tough. I don't, I don't know anybody that's, you know, some people, the extent of change that we like is rearranging furniture in our living room, and sometimes that's a big deal for some folks. Um, <laughs> change is rarely something that we control or or bring on willingly especially in the environment that we find ourselves in transitions can can sometimes feel like a punch in the gut when your head is turned you know you you didn't see it coming you weren't expecting that and most of the time transitions can leave us standing there saying well what now you know what do we what do we do now Yet, here's what I think um, we get wrong with transition and change. I think a lot of people get it wrong this way, is that um, we, treat, we treat transition and change as something to get through as quickly as possible. That it's simply a bridge to cross over as fast as possible, just get to the other side, no matter what or where. But I would argue that transitions aren't just a bridge to the next important season of your life. I would argue that transitions are the most important seasons of your life. How many of you remember 
when you realize that you were an adult and not a child anymore. It's funny how fast that happens, right? When you are young, you know, you can't wait to get older. You're, you're looking at the calendar. You're counting down the days to your birthday. Yo, can't wait to be 12, man. Can't wait to be 12, 12. And then when you're 12, it's like 13, man. I can't wait to be 13. 13 and just going to be a teenager. And then when you're 13, it's what? 16. Oh, can't wait to be 16. Can't wait to get my license and be out on the road. And then 16 and then it's 18. And then, and then you know, going off to college. And then I can't wait to be a young adult. And I'm going to move out of the house. And I'm going to be a, a man on my own or a woman on my own. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get to about 20. And then all of a sudden, life shifts into fifth gear. And you, uh, you, you blink and, you know, you all of a sudden you go from being young and free and not worried about your caloric intake and not looking at the back of the nutritional, you know, stuff on the backs of the, th- the food that you're purchasing, right? You go from just being in that state to all of a sudden you're on the phone with the insurance company fighting about a bill. You know, you know, you said you would cover this and I signed up for it. and. You're going to make this right, right? You realize, man, I haven't exerted this much energy in a long time, but if they said they would do it, they're going to hear about it, right? How many of you can remember high school, back to your high school days? Next year, I'll celebrate my 20-year anniversary. Wow. That that was hard. That was... Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> You know, some of you, some of you are like, man, that's nothing. You know, we're talking forty. <laughs> you know, so uh, but for some, if you could remember back to high school, it was the it was the best time of your life, right? And and for others, maybe it was the worst time of your life. I don't really, I don't really know. But you know, while in high school, it's interesting. There are there are two big conflicts which can really make it difficult. And one of those conflicts is with your parents and. Uh, you know, as, as your parents are coming to terms with the fact that they've got just a very short amount of time left to make sure that they have taught you everything that, that, that they need to teach you about life. And Mal, she put it in perspective the other day, we're talking to Easton, she said, we really only have like six or seven summers left with Easton. That's just a tearjerker, right? Like, why would you say that, you know? So uh, why would you put it in a timeline like that so but it is true right so that's that's one conflict conflict with the parents the other conflict is with our peers right when 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 fitting in and being accepted is at odds with the development of your own personal identity oftentimes the things that make us different and unique may be the same things that don't allow you to fit in with those that grew up in church a lot you know a, a lot of times the a, a lot of times the difference is god i understand that there are you know some who went to private school and some that were whole homeschooled but you know where where you might have faced different challenges than those who went to public school but think about it what was high school like for you what was it like you know, living for God, trying, trying to live for God in those days. Young people are down here. You can think about this right now in the present. 
what is it like trying to live for God in today's hour? What was it like for you when you were going through those days? Was it difficult for you to have a relationship with God? I know high school may have been a difficult time in our lives uh, with, with, with these things, but from a spiritual perspective, I don't think it comes close to the difficult situations that we face once we transition out of the home and start on our own. Amen. I was the, uh, I was the oldest of four boys, and I was the last one to move out on my own. Why? Because I was the smartest of four boys. <laughs> and I can say that because they aren't here. Um, but amen, uh, because how many know that when you're under your parents' roof, you just go up to the fridge, man, and you just open it up, and you just get whatever you want. You shut the fridge door. You don't think about nothing, but when you move out, you go to the store yourself. You get your wallet out of your back pocket and you load up the groceries yourself, and you put them in the fridge yourself, and you get to that stage, and you start to really monitor how much cereal is being poured out by somebody else. That's enough. Why? Because it's you that's going to have to go buy more when we're out. My children, they just have this thing where they just don't eat all their food. And it's uh, sitting on, you know, they just, they don't even put it in the trash to hide it. They just set it right on the sink. Like, here, here, I'm done with this. No. But from a spiritual perspective, yes, it, it can be difficult to leave home and start out on your own. And, and here's, here's, here's what I'm talking about this morning. I, I believe that if you grow up in a home with Christian parents who serve God, I believe that there is an umbrella of protection so to speak, that keeps sin and temptation and the devil and his demons away from us. Obviously, though, there are things, you know, that, that aren't completely kept from us, but the prayers and the shadows of godly parents, they limit the ability for the enemy to come in at full force. Thank God for godly moms and godly dads. Every morning, I pray over our kids. I plead the blood of Jesus over them. God, keep your hand upon them. Bless their day. God, help them to be an influence in this world that we're living in. Listen to me, and young people especially. Be thankful for your parents and the protection that they put over you. Be thankful for the rules that they've set in place. They're not here to make your life boring. They're there for your protection. The Bible talks about it. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your mom and dad, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee, thou mayest live long on the earth. The responsibility and commandment in the Bible directed at children is to obey their parents. It doesn't say children pray, children fast, children dance in the Spirit. It's the parents' responsibility to teach their children, correct them, train them, and provide for them. Some of you are here today because you had a mom that prayed. 
Some of you are here today because you had a dad that prayed. When you were a child, you had people that provided this umbrella of protection over you, and you were able to live a life. You were able to live in their shadow as they lived in the shadow of God. Some of you... You know how to worship because you saw mom and dad worship. You know how to pay your tithes because you saw mom and dad pay their tithes. You know how to pray because you had parents that did it. Deuteronomy 6 and 7 says, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Proverbs says, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. When he is old, he will not depart from it. It doesn't say that he will never depart from it. It says when he is old, he won't depart from it. Does anyone else believe that the Scripture kind of allows for the circumstance where children are brought up to know the way to go, but after being brought up in it, sometimes it takes going a bunch of different wrong directions and departing from the path to realize that the way that you brought them up all along was the right way. Right? I think of the prodigal son when I think about the Scripture. He knew what was right. He knew where he was supposed to be, but it took bad choice after bad choice after wrong choice, some nights with the pigs to make him realize, man, it was so, it was right where I came from. I think about all the people that I knew growing up and in, 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 in the friends that I had in church who have now in their uh, uh, adulthood have taken a different path and aren't really living for God today. It's very sad when you begin to think about it. And I'm sure I'm not the only one in here that knows someone who has backslidden. But I look at the scripture and I believe and pray that those who were brought up to know the truth and to know God's love and his presence that it's only a matter of time before they realize that everything that they've been doing in the world, everything that they've been trying to find to replace what they had as children just isn't the same. And I think one day they're going to walk through these doors and come back home because they're going to realize it was better. It was right. That was the correct I think there's going to be some people that wake up just like the prodigal son woke up and says the only thing that gives joy unspeakable and peace everlasting. I believe we're going to start to see people who grew up in the church and left. I believe we're going to see them come back by the droves because listen to me, there is nothing in this world that can compare to what we have in Christ. Nothing, nothing compares Hear me, there's no substitute for God. Oh, but we try. We try. We try to fill our lives with so many things that we think will satisfy, but there is nothing that can fulfill. There is nothing that can satisfy. There is nothing that can replace God in your life. Psalms 25 and 7 David says, remember not the sins of my youth, nor in my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou 
me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Ecclesiastes says, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore remove sorrow from thy heart. Put away evil from thy flesh. For childhood and youth are vanity, emptiness. Remember now the Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, while it seems things, while it seems things are going great, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Then you get all the way back to the end of the book of Ecclesiastes and says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Hear me today. None of us will be able to have the excuse of, I was young and I was dumb. We will be judged based upon our works. You see, when we were kids, we're under our parents' shadow. We're under our parents' shadow of protection. But when we leave, which most of us in this room have done so, we need to realize that we ourselves need to have a personal relationship, a personal walk with God, and move toward living in His shadow in order to to obtain his protection. Thank God for the lives that your parents lived and are living. But hear me today, it's not their walk anymore. We're not able to live in their shadow our entire life. I'm, I, if I'm going to live in his shadow, I've got to develop my own prayer life. I've got to be disciplined on my own. I've got to have my own walk. And I've got to worship him on my own. I've got to get to the secret place on my own. I'm thankful mom and dad did. I'm thankful they were able to find the secret place. But I've got to find it for myself. Psalms 91 talks about the benefits of abiding in the shadow of the Almighty. I don't have time to read through the entire one, entire chapter. I'll just give you a couple, just give you the highlights. These, these are the things that come with living in the shadow of the Almighty. The secret place of the Most High, verse 1 talks about. Verse 2 talks about refuge and fortress. There's protection there. Verse 3 talks about delivers us from the fowler. Covered by the feathers, truth shall be thy shield. No fear, verse 5 says. Verse 6 talks about our health. Seven, immunity. It goes on, protection, safety, protection by angels, power, victory, deliverance to those who love him and know his name. Answers those who call, delivers those who are in trouble. Verse 16 talks about long life and salvation. Does God know how to give benefits? Does God know how to just stack it up for us and say, hey, here's what I have to offer? Here's what I have. Let me, let me answer the question. How do you define the phrase, 
living for God. Because it's different, right? We all have different ideas. How do you define the phrase live? What are the characteristics of someone who is living for God? And now let me ask you is there a difference between living for God and living in his shadow? The reason I make this distinction is because a lot of us, I think, get, get, get in the place where we, we may be living for God. We're doing what we feel we need to do. We're faithful to church. We're faithful in our giving. We pray. We're living for God. But there's a lot of people who are doing those things, and they're not seeing the benefits that Psalms 91 talks about. Could it be that we might be living for God, but not living in His shadow? Could it be that we're living for God, faithful? We've yet to find the secret place. To be in the shadow of something, it means you have to do a couple things. Number one, you got to be close to it. And number two, you got to move as it moves. So, so living in his shadow has to do with your proximity to him, right? First, and your willingness to follow him wherever he leads. So how do you get, Bryce, how do you get close enough to God to be able to find the secret place? How do, you, how do you live in his shadow? Tells us right there. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. What's the, what's the secret place, Bryce? What, what's the secret place that you're talking about? You got to go over to Psalms 25, verse 14. It says the secret place of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. So to find the secret place of the Lord, we must fear God. Okay, Bryce, so I have to fear him. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Well, let's go to the Word of God. Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 8 says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogance in the evil way, and the perverse mouth I hate. Proverbs 14 says a wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. You know that's why we don't fear the devil? It's because we fear God alone. So why is this important, Bryce? Why is fearing him important? Jesus said, you said it earlier, don't fear those who kill the body. Fear him who has power to cast you into hell. Malachi would say that he will judge those who don't fear him, along with the sorcerers, idolaters, and oppressors. Think of the category we get thrown into when we are not fearing God in the right way. And we see we see these characteristics in, the, in just about all the heroes of the Old Testament. Fearing God and moving with the shadow. 
You go to Genesis chapter 22, Abraham gets tested uh, 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 to sacrifice Isaac. The Bible says, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast withheld thy son, thine only, hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. Not only, church, do we see Abraham fearing God, but he was willing to give everything, the only thing, the love of his life to God in order to remain in the secret place. And to move as God would move, I ask you this morning, are you willing to lay down the very thing that you hold dear to your heart? Are you willing to lay it all down in order to find the secret place? Are you willing to lay down any hopes or dreams or visions that you had of your own future, the desires of your heart, the ambition that you had for your own life, or maybe even the things that God has blessed you with in your life? The promises that He came through for you on. Are you willing to not get hung up on all of those things and at the end of it all, let that be your end all be all. Are you willing to lay that down in order to find the secret place where we can abide in the shadow of the Almighty? And it's interesting. I'll ask our music to come, please. It's interesting whenever you whenever you look at the... Uh, some of the people from the Old Testament reference Abraham already. When you begin to look at these characters, you begin to look at some of their characteristics of those who feared God, found the secret place, and lived in his shadow. You look at Noah. The Bible talks about how Noah was faithful, obedient, evangelistic. The Bible says Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Noah not only walked with God, but Noah did it in the midst of a corrupt and evil earth that was filled with violence. Even if you're the only one in your home, the only one in your family, the only one in your friends group that's living for God, you can live in his shadow. If you can find the secret place, it doesn't matter that you serve God all by yourself. Church, it won't matter if you're the only one from your job that is a Christian, or you're the only one from your school, or you're the only one from your family. Hear me, if you can find the secret place, you can make it. Noah was obedient, appointed to a task to build this ark, and he did it. And he answered God's call and it saved his family and all mankind. Second Peter lets us know that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He shared God. These characteristics, they were people that were faithful. They were obedient. They feared God. They moved when he moved. 
Abraham was obedient, faithful, unselfish, courageous. God tells Abram to leave home, get out of the country. Abram departs. Verse, get to Genesis 13, unselfish. He gave Lot the first choice of which direction to go when they split up. Genesis 14 highlights his courage, defeated the robber kings who had taken Lot. And then also in 14, it's got this picture of benevolence where he refused reward. He gave tithes to Melchizedek. Genesis 22 talks about faithful how it was. He offered up Isaac. thousands of sermons have you heard on Joseph? Joseph was faithful. Joseph was obedient, humble, forgiving, faithful during a difficult time found in the pit in prison, obedient to commandments. He resisted temptation. He gave God the glory regarding the source of answer for the dream. He showed forgiveness to his brothers. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. Moses, humble, faithful, obedient. Exodus lets us know that Moses answered his call. God heard the cries of Israel and Egypt who were being oppressed and said to Moses from the burning bush, Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses says to God, Who who am I? Who am I that you would send? What? Who am I you would should send to bring the children of Israel? And God said this. He said, certainly I will be with you. This shall be a token unto you that I have sent you. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain would you stand with me this morning when we look at this story particularly Moses notice where Moses was when God called him he was tending sheep in a desert while he was on the run from Pharaoh. For what? For killing an Egyptian. He wasn't one of the leaders of Israel or one of the elders when God called him. In fact, I'll highlight it again. He said, who am I? Who am I? God, have you checked my resume? God, do you see where I come from? Do you see the things that I've done? Have you checked out my skill set? Do you know what I have to offer? What qualifies me for you to call me, for you to use me? 
Church, the idea that you have to be somebody special before God calls you or before God can use you just doesn't jive with the way that God works. You have to know that God doesn't just see you in the now. God sees you in your purpose. God sees you in his calling. God sees you in the future. And there's a purpose for your life. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. There's a purpose for your life. One of these days, we're going to be judged by that man or that woman. We're going to be judged against the person that God called us to be. There's a purpose for your life. There's a plan for your life. There's a calling for your life. And God may and oftentimes will ask you to do things you may not be comfortable with. But it's in your response where you will find favor and closeness to him. God told Moses, certainly I will be with you. He'll be with Moses. Not watching over Moses. Not checking in with Moses. Not following Moses or even leading him, but with him. All of these great men of God have a lot of traits I think that we should seek after. Faithful, fear of God, obedience, forgiveness, etc. But the main thing they have in common is they each answered God's call. They were all in different places in life where God called them. We all have a call on our lives, a plan, and a way that God wants to use us to build his kingdom. I don't know which character you kind of see yourself in and, you know, who are you like? Who do you identify with? Are you, are you like Noah? continuing to fight the good fight and serve God while everything around you is falling apart and going the opposite direction. I don't know, maybe that, maybe you resonate, resonate with him. Or, or maybe you're like Abraham, still living, still living at home when God told you to pack it up and, and move out. What about Jacob, who was sleeping with a rock for a pillow while on the run from not only his brother who wanted to kill him, but on the run from all of the promises God made to him, the covenant, the blessings from his fathers? Has God promised you something that maybe you're running from? Are you like Jacob, fearing Esau after some bad decisions that you've made or mistakes that you've made in past? Are you like Joseph? Have you been given a vision from God or a promise to do great things, but every time you get somewhere, you just get knocked down again? <laughs> battle after battle, struggle after struggle, fight after fight issue after issue just when we think we're going to get through just when we think we're going to step into our calling something happens and it knocks us back down to where we feel that we will never break through 
Can I tell you this morning that it might be that God might just be getting you into position to the right place at the right time where you can be used to maximize your calling into position where you could stay faithful. Some of us may know what our calling is, but most of us may still be searching, waiting for God to call us. Or let me flip it. Is God waiting on us? I don't stand up here and pretend to be a perfect person. I've got my flaws just like everybody else. But one goal I have is I desire to be closer to Him today than I was yesterday. To go beyond just living for Him. I want to get to the secret place. I want to dwell in the secret place. I'm longing to abide in His shadow. And what I have found along the journey of trying to get closer to Him is that I've gotten closer when it became more about who He is and rather what He's done for me. Abraham said, God, I thank you for the promise. God, I thank you for Isaac. We prayed, this is a miracle. We prayed, God, you came through for us. You blessed us. We have the promise. God, I'm thankful for the promise. But I'm more in love with the provider than the promise. Sometimes we think Abraham was just kind of, uh, God, I don't know about this. I don't know. You th you're asking me of this. I don't really know. I don't feel comfortable with this. No, the Bible says that he rose up early that morning. There was anticipation on his side. God's going to do something. And I'm going to go ahead and do what he's asked me to do because I'm more in love with him. I've gotten closer to God when I've given him everything. When I didn't hold back in my worship, in my prayer, I've gotten closer. You get closer to God when you, when you, when you go to church. Hear me. When you come to a service just like this, you get closer to God when you come to a service and we gather together and you realize it's an opportunity to be in His presence. Instead of just going to church because it's Sunday and that's what we do on Sundays. And hear me, once you start to give Him your very best, don't hold back. Don't stop short. You'll soon realize the difference and instead of experiencing these highs and lows of living for God, you'll realize that there are no more of these peaks and valleys in our journey. Just this upward trend. Ah. The secret place. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes with me. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.